Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Okay, you ready to go? Um, sure, why not? That's the kind of inspiring answer that you want, right? Um. Oh, hey, look, the Titanic's on. Hey, what's up, Blazer fans? <laughs> Welcome to the Blazer's Edge podcast. I am Tara Bowen Biggs, joined as always by Blazer's outsider, Danny Morang. An avid watcher of Titanic. Is that what you're watching right now? I always have to put something on How many on things the are you doing while you're supposed to be podcasting I, with I, me? Just, I always have to have something on in the background. Otherwise, I just like – I can't like, bl- like blankly or blankly stare at my laptop or at the mic. There always has to be something else going on. I don't know. I, I can't – I've never it. seen Titanic. Wait. Okay. So welcome. Are you surprised? Welcome to the podcast where for the rest of the time we're going to talk about how Tara has possibly avoided watching Titanic over the last 30 years. But we're we're not, though, actually, because the Blazers have made a trade. And I am so excited about this. I know it's not like an earth shaking or shattering trade. But it's a trade, and it's for more than someone's, like, you know, contract that we're going to stretch for the next seven years. Or store a highly protected second-round pick. Right. Uh. So you, why don't you summarize the trade? Okay, so they package up the minimum salary of Nick Stauskas and the minimum salary of Wade Baldwin, and which is I believe is like 3.2 off the top of my head. For, no, I think it's three. Anyways, they bring back Rodney Hood and his $3.4 million contract, who had to waive his no-trade clause because of his bird rights, uh, to land in Portland, which we'll talk about here in a little bit, why that maybe means something or maybe it doesn't. Portland also included two, I believe, unprotected second-round picks in 2021 and 2023. So maybe a bit of an overpay, but Portland gets away from not paying a first-round pick for a wing who may or may not be an improvement over what Portland currently has. So we've been talking about how Portland needs wings. Mm-hmm. They brought in six foot eight or nine Rodney Hood, mm-hmm. who is listed to, to me when he was playing with the Jazz was actually a shooting guard. So that's something I want to talk about he's in a, a little yeah, while. He's a big shooting guard, right? So, uh, so they brought him in, and um, Nick Stauskas. I believe when we were talking to Casey Holdall the other night, I asked him what the deal was with the Nick Stauskas tribute video that they played in the jazz game, <laughs> and he said it was just a you know it was just a it happened to be a timing thing. It was just a coincidence. Yeah. But my conspiracy brain was very uh, not surprised to hear that it was Nick Stauskas. Yeah, the only thing they were say. missing was like Sarah McLaughlin playing I Will Remember You over the top of it. I mean, that's <laughs> that's about how on brand that was. Uh, oh, but you know what? That video Casey, of Nick Stauskas saying goodbye to everybody in Ooh, the practice facility, yeah. you could put that to Sarah McLaughlin, and that would be yeah. just like... I, I got a little choked up. No, I was welcome just to like, the personal side of this stuff. I mean, it, think about the piece that was written about Nick when he got here, right? 
about how he finally found a home, how he feels welcome and loved and with a franchise. And all of a sudden now he's being cast back out to, mm-hmm. you know, basketball purgatory. And also, I mean, let's talk, let's be honest here, like U.S. purgatory. It's Cleveland. Well, come on now. It's Cleveland. Be nice to the people of Cleveland. No, I'm not going to be nice to them. Just a tremendously hor- horrid city. <laughs> but- that is I, – I really want to dwell on that, but I'm not going to dwell on it because we have stuff to talk about. And I'm just going to say I'm not going to allow you to just like say something mean about the entire city of Cleveland. I'm sure there are lovely people in oh, the city it's, of it's Cleveland. It's not the people. It's the city itself. It's, an, it's, not, a, it's not an attractive city. Well, the city, city is made of people, Dan. No, it's, it's the buildings and the layout. and It's just like the actual city. It's, it's an ugly city. So you know who doesn't live in Cleveland anymore? Rodney Hood. Rodney Hood. I bet you he yes. lives in the suburbs because you know, like who lives in Cleveland. Um, so let's talk about Rodney Hood. I just wrote the a piece for Blazers Edge that I think is going to come out tomorrow. This is just like mm-hmm. get to know Rodney Hood. Just wanted to put it all in one place. Uh, so for people who aren't very familiar with him, he is from Mississippi. He uh, is about 100 miles east of uh, Jackson. And his parents, his dad ran the Boys and Girls Club and his mom was a principal of the high school. He led his team to the 6A state championships. He was uh, Mr. Gatorade or Mississippi's, you know, Mr. Gatorade basketball or whatever it is. I believe Outlaw was the same thing, too. I think Travis was the Mississippi Gatorade player of the year. Uh, Yeah, could have been. I don't know. But for whatever year I looked it up, I verified it on their website to see which year it was. <laughs> um, so then he went to Mississippi State where both of his parents actually played basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was there for a year. And then the coach who recruited him left. So he chose to leave and go to Duke. And he had to sit out a year and he sat out a year. And then the, his second year at Duke, he was able to play. He played. It wasn't a banner year for Duke. They, I think, lost in the first or second round of the NCAA tournament. Um, but after that one year playing for Duke, he was taken in the draft by the Utah Jazz, where he played three and a half seasons. He had um pretty good start. I mean, he after he had a, kind of a slow start because he had an injured. Injury kind of that slowed down his rookie season. But then after that, he, um, you know, kind of came in and was a good fit over there. But then about halfway through his would have been fourth year there is when they started uh, sorting out all the pizzas that they had in Utah. And it kind of started to look like maybe he was going to be on his way out. And in fact, he was part of that massive roster rebuild Mm -hmm. that Cleveland did halfway through the year last year. Yeah, trying to make the Ron happy. Right, that there were like 900 players all moved in a day Mm -hmm. um, with uh, Isaiah Thomas and George Hill and Shumpert and the big switcheroo. Anyway, Rodney Hood ended up in Cleveland where the fit has not been as good as it was when he was really excelling in Utah. And now he's a Portland Trailblazer. Yeah. So that's a little bit about him. Yep. I don't know. I was when I was reading about him, I was I was kind of I was looking at um the kind of basketball that he was playing in Utah versus the way he was playing in Cleveland, trying to figure out the fit there. And one thing that I did notice was that when he was playing in Utah, when he was um uh having he had slightly better numbers, is he took a he took more threes when he was in Utah. When he moved to Cleveland, he was kind of like taking a whole bunch more two-pointers. And also when he was in 
Utah, he played a lot of shooting guard, and then he had to play small forward when he was over there in Cleveland. So what do you think his role is going to be? Having done two very different things, what do you think his role and fit is going to be in Portland? Do everything Mo Harkless is supposed to do. So a three? <laughs> yeah, he'll, he'll he'll play as a, as a three, in, in my opinion, because he's not going to take CJ's spot. I don't think, I think anybody's looking at that right now. And if you look at where Hood ranks this year and really what he's done throughout his career, very good in the pick and roll um, as a scorer. Just looking at the synergy numbers for him earlier tonight, um, he ranks in the, t- in the top quarter in pick and roll ball handler, top quarter in spot up, top uh, 20% in isolation, and top quarter in handoff. Remind me again, what, what the Blazers run a lot of. <laughs> yeah, I did read an article about him and Rudy Gobert being a really effective combination. And it was the year that Rudy Gobert then went and got injured. And so mm-hmm. they, they they never really got to you know, see that. as much of it. Yeah. Why is what makes him good at it? Like, have you watched enough of yeah, him no, to I've, be I've able to do it? Um, he's actually a guy leading up into the deadline. I had been talking to a few people in Cleveland about, and I, I my thought was is that he could be had by Portland, but it was probably going to cost the first. And I think the the line that Cleveland wanted here was that they wanted a first, but they probably thought at the end of the day, it's probably not going to happen. And they ended up going with the two seconds plus some expiring contracts. You get a flyer on some guys that maybe help drive your lottery odds up as much as you can with the new lottery odds. But uh, Hood's a guy I kind of had on the radar for a while because he, he fits the profile of what Neil Olshay's done in the past, right? Low risk, not mm-hmm. a lot of commitment, salary's low. You have the option to get away, get out of the deal soon. Um, a guy it, coming from somewhere where he's not really maybe a very good fit, so he could blossom in a different situation. Exactly. So he, he fits all those profiles. And But here's where I think Olshay did well. And listen, I've, I've been plenty critical of, of a lot of his moves in the past. But in this one, he addresses some of Portland's needs. Longer, more athletic, capable player both off the bounce and as a shooter. And you get longer. Right. So, but is he longer than than Jake and Mo? I mean, you think that he's going to be no, playing the three? Not, he's not any longer than those guys, no, is he? No, but he's talking. We're talking about we gave up Stauskas and and Wade Baldwin. Right, but those guys were at the end of the bench. They I, weren't actually really playing. No, no, no I'm, I'm just talking. About, but as a roster is constructed, did the Blazers get more athletic and longer? Yes, okay. they did, and they also got more functional shooting out of it. You've got a guy in, in Ronnie Hood who can create off the bounce, who is, is a willing cutter, and can knock down a perimeter shot. Like he's a career 37% three point shooter. Sign me up for that. Like I'm, I'm, I'm totally cool with that. Um, what he has the potential to do or what he really realistically, what he's done throughout his career is what I think, at least for in my case, offensively is what I've wanted from Harkless since he's been here. Who does that? And so that's where I think we start leaning towards the speculation of what does this move mean going forward? Because as you right, said, so is this the only Jake. move or exactly? Now the, the question, like you said, is is the only is this the only move? I'll, I'll ask you first, Arrow. Like, do you think this is the only move? Well, they're short a roster spot, but they don't technically need to fill that, nope. do they? Nope. You can carry thirteen and be good. So they they could be done. They don't have any backup guys, so. If anybody gets injured out of the major rotation players, it would be Swanigan 
or Seth. <laughs> I mean, that's really thin if they don't add anybody. So, uh, but if they add somebody, they're not going to be under the tax, which is one thing that you thought was their their goal. But if they gambled on Rodney Hood as the addition that they needed, yeah, I don't, I don't think they're that just seems too thin for them not to be done to me. Just too thin, like really biggie. Well, I guess, I guess Trent and Simons are there and they've been recalled. Yes. So you've, so, you've got a little bit of leeway there. Not but much, that would, but you're, we're talking that again, could very potentially, thin. uh, you know, if they were inserted and in, if one of the, the rookies were inserted into the lineup for, you know, a good 10 game stretch or something Emergency that services. May, may cost them some wins. Yeah. So here, here's my whole conspiracy theory. And this is so hood was one of the guys that I had tagged about four or five guys that Portland could realistically land. I figured it would cost them the first, but it would be as a part of a series of moves. And what that basically was is it was a trigger because Rodney Hood, as you talked about, fits kind of the same profile as Jake Lemon and Mo Harkless. Well, Jake Lemon's probably going to be cheaper in the long run than Mo Harkless if you're opting to keep him when his contract expires. His his cap hit's going to be smaller. Um, Harkless still has the extra year on his deal. So if by adding Hood, you're looking at possibly moving on from Harkless, and you still have that first-round pick in your pocket. You know, looking around the league, how many teams have salary cap space? Sacramento, aren't they the only ding, ones? Ding, 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 Remind me, what is the one position that Sacramento is bereft of players at right now? I'm going to guess wings. Small forwards. They do not have them. But they do have is a stinking, keeping pile of bigs. And what do the Blazers need a little bit of help at? Hey, a little bit of big action. So... My theory is is Portland's probably on the phone with Sacramento if they are indeed looking to move on from Harkless. Otherwise, okay. they're looking at other places. The one that I suggested was Harkless in a first, and you bring back Scalab uh, CA. And with that, you get the big body. And again, you're fitting a profile of Neil O'Shea, guys he's brought in, younger, has talent, maybe a little disgruntled, not happy about his role. With an opportunity to grow, he's got this year and next on his deal. So you're, you're giving again that flyer of opportunity, right? We're kind of propagating that cycle. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're, you're balancing the roster. You're adding possibly more talent. I obviously, I think he's more talented than, than you know, the guy who he'd be replacing within the rotation, Caleb. Um, but in keeping with the trend, they also get under the luxury tax. Right. So, but if they're the only team that has cap space, how many other teams are also trying to deal with them? Oh, how many teams are realistically flirting with that line as close as Portland is and have a history? I don't know. Do you know off the top of your head? Most teams are over the cap, but most teams are not at the luxury tax at the point where like it's it's a problem for them. Like the Warriors are over, but they they couldn't right, care what less. Are they? They're they're not going to be turning to Sacramento for help no, anytime not only soon. That, like they're, they're they're a money printing machine right now. Yeah. Like they're moving into a new arena, and they they probably sell more merchandise than any of the other franchises basically combined at this point. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. They're not turning to Sacramento for help. Exactly. Anytime. And so if you start going down the list, like you look at the teams that have high money committed, where like realistically they they care. Washington. Washington's at that point, but I don't think 
Leonsis in the past has, has found a way to kind of to just kind of deal with it. Um, so we'll see how that plays out. So Portland's really one of the only teams that's got a history of avoiding it like the plague and made moves willingly to get around it. Now, this doesn't mean that Portland couldn't do something else. They could send Harkless and a first to somebody else for another young player who's making like two and a half million or less, three million or less. Because the difference between taking back a contract that size and Harkless's deal is basically the difference in, in the um, luxury tax uh, line. It's what it, I think after this deal, I think they're eight point three million off, and Harkless is at uh, ten point five. So you've got eh, almost three million to play with. So between the fact that the Blazers were able to make this deal without using a first round pick, good move, and because they already have a couple of people competing for one spot and now they've just added a third one. Mm -hmm. Those are two indicators to you that you think the Blazers are not done. Yeah. I think that realistically they're not Mm -hmm. done. And then uh, that and the the, the history of the, of the franchise. I mean, since we were talking about with Casey, since the existence of the luxury tax, the Blazers have paid it three times, two of it in the first years when they were coming out of, you know, all of the money they had committed. I mean, they were one of the biggest luxury tax payers in the history of the league, percentage-wise, because of how much money they had committed in the early 2000s. Um, but the way this team has been, I just – unless – I should put an asterisk next to this, and I, and I will still pay up my bet if they go this way. The only way I think that they will consider flirting with that luxury tax line is if they sit where they are right now, and it's just that million or two – or they end up making a big time move mm-hmm. and just say screw it. We're gonna th- right. We're so gonna go they could be rockets and, and throw caution to the wind. Right. They could be sitting on that that number or that that first round pick for. I mean, I guess if they were gonna make a big splashy move, it wouldn't be the first round put, pick. Wouldn't be the thing that they were excited about or that the other team was excited about. It would be a known player. Would, right? Yeah, I mean, in my mind, it would be like you're, C, you're, the you're, CJ yeah, trade or something. You're talking about moving like CJ and Harkless, so a huge amount of money is going out, which means a huge amount of money is coming back. It's coming back in. Yeah. So. I just, I mean, the one thing that I am concerned about with Hood, like I said earlier, is that he played a lot better when he played shooting guard, and I don't know if that was because of the people that he was surrounded by. Or if that's just a more natural position to him is just to be a tall shooting guard and not just a regular size small forward. Um, But, you know, so, I mean, do you think that he like, does that concern you with the way he plays at all? Do you think that, you know, he prefers one over the other and that's why he, you know, played slightly better in one? Or do you think that just doesn't matter? I honestly, I'm not I'm not sure which way it'll go. I think he's more the, I think he's more a wing than just um, one or the other. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So when I look at that, I'm just like, you know, I think it's fine either way, especially with the way Portland plays. Mm-hmm. Let's let's put it this way: Do you think Rodney's going to start? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, they already have two guys that they're trying to decide, or maybe Stotts already. Ha- I, mean, I mean, they already have. I mean, he's certainly not, like you said, you know, starting for CJ unless that's part of the move. Yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm so excited to find out, though. (laughs) 
I just wonder, you know, when I was looking him up and trying to learn more about him, I just pretty much looked only at his numbers with the Jazz because I just thought that Cleveland thing, I don't even know what that was <laughs> that time, that time in Cleveland. But I guess I'm trying to get from you is like the way that he plays. How does it, you, you've, it sounds to me like you think he should start. Yeah. Realistically, I think he's got a better shooting profile and a better offensive pro- portfolio than, than Harkless does. Uh, I think Lehman can possibly be the more explosive player, um, uh, just giving off a small sample size. But again, Hood's been doing this for a couple of years. Like Hood is the guy. What have we always said about that position, Tara? We give us, you know, what, 13 to 15 points a night from that position. And what does that do for this team? I mean, that, that elevates them to that legit, like, at least for me, that top four teams in the West and legitimate threat. Like the difference between seven points a night or, you know what I mean? The, the difference of seven points a night is realistically the difference between Finishing that in that top half, like more so than just the, oh, hey, we made it like, you know, last year. Yeah. It, it's a legitimate, they are a threat for that group. And anything short of that is a disappointment. And I think it shifts the narrative ever so slightly in that direction. So yeah, me personally, I, I it's, it's not a secret. I, I've wanted to move on from Harkless for a while now. Uh, I wish him all the best, but I think that Hood would fit better for this team both right now and kind of going forward, um, just based on his past production. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's going to be crowded if they don't have an additional move to make. I mean, unless they do something like – because you were talking about how he's a good uh, – he's good at the pick and roll. He's a good ball handler. And maybe they just really go all in on these small lineups, you know, and um, – or, you know, the three-guard – Line, at all times, there's three ball handlers. Yeah. I mean, realistically, that I think that's kind of what they're kind of going for is having another guy that can attack off the bounce. This is, we've talked about this how many times, Tara, the, the, the type of siloed players, right? Hood's offensive game is not siloed. He can attack with or without the ball. And that, that's something I think at Portland was, was very um, willing to move towards. Um, how... Hood fits in because he does like to go into isolation. Now, here's the thing. He's a very, very, very good isolation scorer. But how will that mesh within the offense? I think that's a valid question about him. With especially alongside CJ who's and and Dame who are also very good isolation scorers. Yes. Will the ball stop? Like, right. We just they just started passing the ball Mm -hmm. around. And and I've I've already seen some of the other guys, Seth in particular, who – when he gets doesn't get enough touches as he sees fit, that ball stops real hard. Right. And, and, and we're also looking at another player who is going to be on an expiring contract. Yep. And so it's playing for his next contract. Exactly. So those are, so those are realistic. Like, I'm not saying that like, it's a bad thing. Like if, if you or I were in that position, I would expect the same thing because when you're trying to negotiate your deal, those things matter to these agents and to these general managers. So, now, your thought was that the Blazers may be, you know, talking with Sacramento. I've heard, uh, I've seen on Twitter uh, people talking about Miritich. People oh, really, boy. really are interested in Miritich. So address that. So it sounds like if people think that might be a secondary move. Like, I, I, I get that Miritich is a, is, a, is a nice player. Explain how it would work, like, you know, with the salaries and everything. I mean, you could, realistically, you could do Mo for Miritich and it'd be a fine swap. 
just like straight up yeah, their 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 salaries match. Yeah, I mean it's like ten and a half million to twelve million. So it's within the mm-hmm. uh, what is it, one hundred and ten per one hundred fifteen percent. So it's 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 a doable swap. Um, Portland obviously has to include the first round pick there, but you're including a first round pick for a guy who's going to be a rental. And then I'm hearing people say that he needs to start. And I'm like, so you're, you're taking your best defender, Alfred Camino into the, into the lineup with the bench. So you're going to pair Aminu and Collins together. I'm sure that definitely was going to go really well offensively. Um, defensively, you'd have basically non plus defenders on the floor outside of Nurkic. Like, do you, do you understand what the pick and rolls are going to look like? <laughs> it's going to be pick your poison. Like that's, I saw a bunch of people that were saying that Miritich's defense really stood out in the Pelican series. No, Drew Holiday, Rajon Rondo, and one of the best defensive players probably in the modern era, and Anthony Davis stood out in that series. Miritich was essentially a turnstile compared to those guys. It was Miritich has looked good, and if you look at all of his advanced metrics over the last few years. Miritich has looked good defensively when he's had AD behind him, Drew in front of him, or Jimmy Butler alongside him with Taj Gibson. I'd look good. Exactly. In that situation. Like, it's not hard to look like a decent defender in those, in those situations. Like if you look at – I mean I have all of the synergy numbers for, for Miritich in front of me. Spot up, poor. Pick and roll but, uh, ball handler. When he's going against other bigs, this is the only area where he rates good, and he's in the 65th percentile. But isolation, 41st percentile. Post up, 36th percentile. Pick and roll ball handler. Like when he gets caught in the switch, Terry, he's in the 23rd percentile. He, he's, he's not good in those situations. So he's no Alfarukamini. No. And like, and his shooting is not to the point of like, oh my God, we have to have this guy. So the, the folks who are thinking that Meritage would be coming in would think that it would be so CJ would go out, Meritage would come in, and then we'd have Dame, CJ, Rodney Hood, Meritage, and, and Nurkic. Nurkic. And to me, I don't think Oof. they, I don't think that this Wolf. organization would go for that much change in the middle of the uh. year unless they were bringing in like Anthony Davis. Exactly. Like, and that's what I was talking about with the, with a bigger move. Like, because this team is built on consistency. Mm-hmm. And one little, you know, there, I think it's going to be a challenge moving one person in, much less two, in, especially in the starting. Yes. And if you're talking about starting Miritich, now you're you're talking. You're, yeah, let's let's just take Miritich out of the starting lineup. Your options for pairing Miritich with another big are Zach Collins, Myers Leonard, and Yusuf Nurkic. Who among those three guys is fitting that profile best? Probably Zach. So you, to go alongside Miritich. Yeah. So you're playing Zach yeah. at the five again. Remember how well that worked out. Right. And I just. I hate to, like, I hate to disrupt the momentum that Myers has built up. He's earned it. Realistically, well. he's he's earned his time that he is getting right now. Yeah. And, so, and it's paying off. It's not just that he's earned it and it's like, okay, that he's on the floor, but it's like actually it's a positive. paying it's, off. Yeah, it's, it's a net positive on almost every night right now. So, so I, w- I went back and watched that dunk that he had <laughs> over and over and Derek over Favors again. Derek opted to get out of the way very quickly. 
Well, and the thing that I didn't notice about it the first time is I, I just noticed Rudy Gobert just being like disgusted and like having to like, I can't believe I have to close out. And, and also but get right, to the rim. <laughs> but but right before that, you just see uh, Donovan Mitchell just like diving over. And it was just like he had they had like their two best players completely unable to contain him on that one. So anyway, I just wanted no, to I mean, put that in there. Watch that over. Watch Donovan Mitchell before you even see Rudy Gobert yeah. and the look oh, of they, disgust they, they on his face coming. that he's been asked to come out and close out on somebody on the three point line. Yeah, it's uh and Meyer said it in the post game, like he he took you know seven threes in college, like he wasn't a shoot, like he was a rim runner in college. This isn't this is this is nothing new for him. So for him to get out there and, and finish dunks and lobs, like cool. Okay, so have you heard any other rumors of possible secondary moves or ideas uh, that people have floated? <sighs> nothing about else, secondary moves. Nothing else new or substantial uh-huh. that like like. The one that keeps coming back up is the Aaron Gordon one. Torian Prince and the Hawks keep coming up. Uh, Harrison Barnes. That one's more of like pie in the sky. Let's see something. Let's. I've let's, heard Torian Prince. What now? Yeah. What What are the details of of that that you've heard? It can't be a full salary dump because Atlanta doesn't have the room, so it would probably have to be a three team deal. But I've heard that the Hawks have made Prince available, and the Blazers have kicked around at least the Atlanta Hawks um, as far as discussing what may or may not be available or uh, who, who could be available. So, you know, we've talked about several times the the teams that Neil Olshay has the best relationship with in terms of mining their talent pool. Cleveland is one of them. <laughs> Cleveland is definitely one of them. Orlando. Another one is Orlando. And is Sacramento on that list too? Uh, I think there's an amenable relationship there. Yeah. Who who else is there? That's about it. That's about it. I mean, yeah. you can say it's, it, the the relationship with Denver, obviously with Will Barton oh, right. and uh, Nurkic and Plumley. So I don't fl- right, flawless. but they're not gonna they're not gonna do anything. <sighs> they have an I was so bummed. Right now, what? go ahead. I would say Denver has an embarrassment of riches right now. Like Malik yeah. Malik Blazy is coming out and bawling off them. It's it's yeah, good times. Yeah, let's not do anything to make them any better. I was so disappointed that the New Orleans didn't trade Anthony Davis during the Super Bowl. I loved that. Um, I loved that conspiracy theory that they were going to ruin the Super Bowl. The conspiracy theory I wanted to see happen was Andre 3000 actually stepping out there and saving the Super Bowl halftime show. Because, God, that was awful. I didn't watch a single down of the Super Bowl. I watched a lot of the Kitten Bowl. That was so fun. <laughs> you would. You, the great you thing about the Kitten Bowl is the names of the kittens. For Kitten Bowl. Like you, oh, my God. I'm so disappointed. Why are you disappointed? You you, you know, okay, surpass, or going past the Super Bowl, I, I got that. Like I, I that that's understandable. But opting for kitten bowl over puppy bowl. Oh yeah, no, I'm sorry, I'm more of a cat person. Shocking. <laughs> I know. I mean, puppies are cute too. I also didn't like, just didn't want to get up and change the channel. <sighs> <laughs> anyway, mm-hmm. so anything else you want to say about the Rodney Hood trade? All in all, I think it's a good deal. I think everybody that I've talked to thinks it's a good deal. It's again, you're talking about your like 13th and 15th guys. 
being moved. Well, the Blazers traded away their thirteenth and fifteenth guy and potentially got someone who is a starter or at the very at the top of the rotation. I'd say I'd say at bare minimum, it's like he's like your five to eight guy. Mm-hmm. So that's that's pretty decent. Like you can't be mad about that. I'll find a way to be mad about it if it's the only thing they do. But meh. If it's the only thing they do, it's it's going to be a bummer if that means that Jake falls out of the rotation. Yeah, actually, especially the way he's been playing, right? Yeah. Like, I could understand it if it was Rodney Hood and he had two years left on his deal beyond this one, and you mm-hmm. wanted to lock him in at a cheap rate. But it just feels like another guy with an expiring deal. So and talk a little bit about that he had to consent to the trade. Yeah, so because of the way that his deal was worked and signing a qualifying offer and everything that kind of goes along with that, he waives by having basically kind of a quasi-no-trade clause. So he has to waive his bird rights to allow the trade to go, but he, that's, where he, that's, that's kind of his leverage that he can use to be sent to another team. So if he doesn't agree to the trade, then they can't – then whoever you know holds him at that time can't trade him. So – Kind of a, kind of a, a very unique rule um, that doesn't pop up all that often. But this doesn't mean that Portland can re-sign him with their. You he doesn't re- come with his bird correct. rights, does he? No. So okay. what they can end up doing though is they can end up using like the the MLE on him next year. Okay, that could be something they could they could consider do, if things work out. Do you think that they might be considering him? And like in terms of just like how he would fit with the way the Blazers play basketball, do you think they may be? you know, looking at, at him for a longer term or this is just like, let's get through this year. Yeah, take a look and see what happens. I, I think it's, that's, that's a realistic thing. The, uh-huh. the, the one key, thing I guess I, they're leaving. If they're going to lose, if that's potential, they lose Al Farouk Aminu in free agency. Got to add a wing somehow. Yeah. The, uh, the thing I, I find interesting out of this whole situation beyond the trade was the fact that he, he did waive his bird rights for, basically what amounts to a playoff team and playing time. And if playing time is the the understood component of this, that's part of what informs me or leads me to believe that Harkless is probably on the move, although I guess it could be Lehman. <laughs> um, but if, if, if he was basically told that you're going to get minutes, somebody's got to go to the bench or somebody's got to move. So... And I've seen Harkless on the on the bench the last couple of weeks, and he's looked a little little pouty recently. So um, I, I don't think Harkless moving to the bench or Layman being put back on DNP status is going to do either side any good at this point. So I think it is somewhat unfair, without knowing him, for us to be looking at him and thinking that he's pouty. And I mean, I think it's unfair that like that one article was written about him. And so now if he, you know, has you mean crabby it, resting face, we all think that he's pouting. You mean, you know what I mean? Dunk three times in a row and he doesn't move from his spot and he has his hands in his face and just sits there and stares forward blankly, like the exact same way he did last year when he said he would never do this again. That, that kind of pouty. <laughs> so you mean he's sitting on the bench and not reacting when his team teammates is doing are going stuff. on a run and that? Yeah, I mean it's. It, I just never remember to look at the bench. So. I, I I have like thirty seven monitors when I'm watching a game, so it's like, what do I look at? Um, but so you're looking at a guy on the bench. I just happen to catch back it. to looking dead inside. Yeah, and that was the <laughs> when thing, everybody like, else is celebrating. Yeah, and it's and it's so obvious because of how the bench usually celebrates, whether it's the starters on the bench or the bench on the bench, right? 
Like they get into it. And when when you when you can visibly tell when Mo's like, I'm not having this. And it's not just once, it's not just twice. And like listen, I'm not looking for it like I want it to happen, but this is something he has done in the past. And so it's like, man, come on. Like get get with it. So it's Okay, I, I want to follow up on what you said about playoff experience because this is something that's been on my mind a lot mm-hmm, lately. Mm-hmm. How important do you think it is that the Blazers acquired somebody with playoff experience? I read an article one time about somebody who was trying to decide how important – what's more important to rookies, having an, a, a seasoned veteran on the team or just getting playoff experience themselves? And the results of this, it was just one study. It was just one analytical study. And they believed that playoff experience was actually more important than having like a seasoned vet. So what are your, do you think that like when the Blazers are out looking to add people to their roster, they're looking for people with playoff experience? Uh, yes and no. So remember coming into the the free agency period, what, what we were told, what we were sold that the Blazers had their options. They had that, that TPE and a couple other mm-hmm. things and the mini MLE. Well, the Blazers were looking at five players or ended up looking at five players or making the MLE available to five players. And, and how much experience, playoff experience did they have? So one player had zero games. One player had six games. One player had seven games. One player had eight games. And one of those players had 58 games. Whoa. That's Bellinelli. Oh, okay. So Spurs, dominance, right? Yeah. But yeah, that's right. That doesn't that doesn't ring real real true with playoff experience, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean sh- technically sure it's true. <laughs> they've been there. They've they've you know, they've been swept twice <laughs> when you look at the at the games. Um so yeah, it's it's nice to See that if it's actual real experience, being on the back end of the bench and just knowing what the TV schedule is like and what the travel schedule is like, mm, probably not as important. But Hood does have viable playoff experience. Now he also has play has playoff experience. Where he has a he, much he checkered step playoff in. experience. So yeah, it's uh. Maybe not the so what we're referring to is when he was with the Cleveland Cavaliers during the Toronto series, I believe it was, they were blowing them out and uh, at the end of a game and Hood had lost his place in the rotation. He wasn't even playing, but they were at the end of this blowout. And so Ty Lue turned to him to send him in and he shook it off and he was like, no, I'm not going in. And so I think it was Jose Calderon went in instead. Um, Which is that that statement itself is insane. <laughs> I know. I was reading all the Chicago or the the Cleveland coverage of that incident, and it was kind of funny because they like really played it down there. Um, because the way they reported it was that he went the next day to apologize to the team, and the whole team just laughed at him because they were like, "Do you know how much we've been through this year? Like that is nothing." <laughs> Like of all the things that we've been through, you doing that is laughable. Like we don't even. We had care a guy that, who threw it... a hot bowl of soup. Yeah, <laughs> and not even soup. Like we joked when that first broke. Like, what's the worst soup you could throw? This is Joe Shane and I, and the the consensus we came to was broccoli cheddar, and then it was confirmed that it was broccoli cheddar. And I was like, oh my god, that's like throwing hot magma. 
So yeah. yeah, so somebody threw lava and Rodney Hood didn't decide to go in. So I mean, there's there's levels to the craziness that the LeBron Circus brings in. Yeah, but he does have tangible playoff experience beyond that. So right, he had a, I think um, eleven eleven games with Utah, and then like seventeen or something with uh, with Cleveland. Cleveland. Yep. So like there's. There's some, like the, I mean I think we're on the low end of the bar right but it's it's that's that's for your average team that makes the playoffs that's probably like two years worth of playoff playoff experience so like but I'm I'm good with that that that's better than everybody else other than Bellinelli from the other group so well so what I'm really asking is because I don't hear people discussing this and maybe it's just such a small thing that. It doesn't matter, but it's been bugging me, and it has to do with Denver. Denver hasn't been to the playoffs in a long time, and people have them marching all the way to the Western Conference Finals, which makes a lot of sense because they're in first place right now. But I haven't heard people discussing the fact that not only have they not made the playoffs in years, but they blew it in super important games at the last game of the season two years in a row in order to not make it to the playoffs. Yes. And I... I, Nobody talks about that. I get where you're coming from. And I think that that what what changes that is that that they have that Jokic perfume. It covers up the poo-poo of the past. But somebody should at least bring it up. Uh, I think I think it changes when you have an MVP candidate. Uh huh. And I mean, he, what he's been able to do and what that team has been able to do with the injuries they've suffered, like it would be a monumental collapse if they didn't not just make it to the playoffs, but it, but win their first round series pretty handily. Right. I mean, I I. I'm pretty convinced that they're going to go to the Western Conference Finals. Yeah. But I just it it kind of annoy, annoys me that nobody even brings it up. I I think it's like I said it's it's that that perfume of Jokic. Let, let's put it this way: if Damian Lillard was having an MVP season right now, let's say the Blazers are three four games better and Dame's putting up thirty two eleven mm-hmm. and six. Yeah. Just just absolutely just basically what he's doing right now but more efficient. Just nuking the planet, right? And do you think anybody's going to sit there and say but yeah, but they didn't they haven't won a first round in 6 years? Yes. You think I do so? think people would I think people would say but they still the god because he was playing practically that well last year and they still got swept in the first round. No, I I I think if he's in legitimate MVP conversation like he could realistically win this award. I I don't I don't think people look at this team the same way. I think anytime you have an MVP candidate, a legit top three or four guy who you're like, yeah, he's going to get real votes. I, I think that changes the narrative of what it was in the past. Okay, well, it's probably just I just wanted somebody to say it out loud because <laughs> I haven't heard anybody say it, and it's just me being Betty. But <laughs> hey, you know what? Nur- Nurkic can tell them all to have a nice summer again, and I'll be right there for it. Yeah, it just it just bothered me that like two critically important games with a lot of the same personnel were not able to. Come but on, you know sir, they're building about, off of continuity as well. I guess it's about building off that continuity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can't even say it with a straight face. Oh, it hurts. Oh, well, God. we have uh, an all another all star or well an 
a returning all star in a our no, midst. A no doubter. Yes. Yeah. How about, how we about couldn't get him starter? voted in to be a starter, <laughs> but Damian Lillard did get named a reserve, so that was exciting. Yeah. No. I mean, that was. And the thing was, it was legitimately a no doubter. I don't know anybody in the media who didn't vote for him. It was. Uh, and I was worried because his. I mean, he he started off the beginning of the year insane and uh, you know 27 points a game and it, that felt like nothing it was just like wow you know he feels like he should be getting more or whatever but he's dropped off a lot well i don't know how much a lot but he's dropped off in scoring because he's been doing so much of getting everybody else involved mm-hmm. it's been going through Nurkic more other people have been scoring better so he hasn't had to take on that load so i was a little concerned that just looking at his stats he wasn't going to impress people as much as watching him play. But where's Portland sitting in the standings? That's true. Right there. I think the more terrifying thing is somehow the Spurs are now right behind the Blazers. Ugh. Remember when they were they were done? How does this happen? Well, because they're all they all have a they have a fresh crop of vampires now. Yes, they do. They've sent the bats back in. <laughs> everybody's everybody's all, you know, bit and turned into vampires again. And so now we're going to have another 20 years of whatever this team is right now. Those are the guys we're going to see for 20 yeah, years. Yeah, that's what happens in, in San Antonio. We're going to have Bertrands. They, they, don't, they, don't, they don't see groundhogs. They see bats. And the yeah. bats never see their shadows because they're vampires. That's some deep lore yeah. right there. Um, and I've watched a lot of teenage vampire shows, so I can tell you exactly how this is going to go. Unrelated, shout out the new Sabrina on Netflix. Pretty good. Um, yeah, the, the, Sabrina the Teenage Witch? Yeah. Oh, I had no idea. Yeah, I enjoyed it. It's really dark. Um, <laughs> speaking of dark timelines, is the one where uh, Rudy Gobert doesn't get the nod for the All Star game, and that spurred up some 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 feelings around the. There league. were some feelings about that. Oh, yeah. How, how, <laughs> so I think a couple of things about that. I think a it's a good thing that we're at a place where a man can cry and like. Not everybody says that he's weak. A lot of people came to his defense in that. So I think we've made some progress as a society on that. Um, You know, as somebody who sat back and and watched Damian Lillard get snubbed for years in a row, I'm a little bit like, oh, cry me a river, buddy. It happens. <laughs> but I am glad that, you know, it's a, a point where a lot of people were respectful of his feelings. What do you think? Yeah, for the most part, I think more than anything, I'm a little bit upset that uh that he didn't get voted in because realistically by almost every single advanced metric and what he's meant to this team, he's been a like a top two or three big in the league. Who would you take off? Cat. Oh, right. I, I think the impact for Gobert is bigger. I mean, I I know that sounds weird, but remind me, where's Utah in the standings? Where's Minnesota? There's there's some there's some some empty scoring I think there for Cat, but uh, for the most part, I think they got things right. Uh, poor Donovan Mitchell's gonna have to wait until the uh, next crop this like this crop of guards in the West just all retire before he ever gets a chance. Uh, a lot of people were mad that Clay made it. I don't. Yeah. I mean, Clay had a, a slump, but he's still Clay Thompson. And not only that, the last month he has been absolutely electric. Uh, he's been nuts from the field. And the, remind me again, the Warriors—they went on a 11 game winning streak heading into the All Star or heading into All Star voting. So yeah, they, uh, they they peaked at the right time, as they like to say. 
Uh, I think the only other surprising one for me was that Tobias Harris did not make it. I thought he had a legitimate chance over LaMarcus. Um, but, hey, shout out to LaMarcus. LaMarcus, remember how it was a big deal when he made it? He just made his eighth all-star team. Yeah. That's pretty well, crazy. Well, the guy huh? is a rock. <laughs> I mean, he really is in a lot of ways. For, for decades, he's just going to keep showing up and doing it. So, and now he's the vampire. Yeah, now he's going to do it instead of instead of decades. It'll be centuries, like all vampires. Yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting, but I, I think that for the most part, it's it's going to be good. We're going to have obviously Dame. The Who do you think's going to pick? Who do you think's going to pick Dame? LeBron. LeBron. Oh God, yes, yeah. absolutely. Um, I would love if Giannis did it just so we could see it, and also as another way to spite LeBron. Um, I'm I'm on board with both of those motives. Um, Giannis and Dame together is like a fever dream, so that'd be kind of cool. Well, okay, but Giannis doesn't really – does he do pick and roll? Yes. He does. Yes. All I can see is him just repeatedly slamming Well, see what happens before that. Dunks. Is, is that, that that's, your, that's your brain like tuning out because the dunks are so How amazing. he got there. Yeah, I'm like – I'm yeah. not even picturing how he got the ball in his hands it's just him because it's usually at the half court line. Yeah, it's just him dunking on four people over and over again. But he's getting it because he's getting sprung from – Yeah, there, there, there's a lot of, lot of action, a lot of pick and roll action. Like the, the, the nightmare fuel is when they go four or five pick and roll between him and, and Brooke Lopez – because mm. then you just have two bigs out there, and you're like, oh, God, what do I do? Running pick and rolls, and you're just like, I want to die. Brooks out here shooting 45% from three, and Giannis is leading the league. And, like, he's he's out-dunking entire teams. So it's uh, it's it's terrifying. I I feel like Brooke Lopez should get some sort of special award. Uh, like yep. Lifetime Achievement or he's something. Prob- realistically, he could get um, – Could he get most improved? Yeah, I think he could, even though his it's not his best year. I think like this the second act of his career, I think that has to be taken. Yeah, into that's what I mean. It's like he's completely remade himself all over again. He's like a movie star who like once did all com he's like Jim Carrey who like just did comedies and then suddenly came out and started doing drama and everyone was like, Oh my god, it's a revelation. No, I'm I realistically I think he's Milwaukee's third most important player outside of Middleton and Giannis. I, I know Brogdon has been good for them, I know Bledsoe has been good for them, but yeah, Brooke is, uh, Brooke is, he's key. Yeah, he's just one of those, one of those ones that you didn't really see coming and boy, is he going to get paid. So, um, but as far as, as back to, back to Portland here in the All-Star game, I think the most fun I'm going to have is watching Seth, Seth, Steph, Seth and Dame, uh, in the three point contest. So. I was really surprised that Dame was going to go for the three point contest. Yeah, that's that's a little little iffy. Did you have any inkling that that would? I was like, why? But okay, I've heard that perhaps they had considered Myers. Oh, um, but uh, I don't know if Myers is three point contest kind of guy. Like, listen, he's he's, he's my guy. I no, yeah, I don't. I but want I, Myers to get some healthy rest. Yeah, and the the <laughs> the, the pace of the of the contest. I don't. I don't think it's right. conducive for for his his. I don't know though. He could totally surprise Flame everybody balls, and go out there and drill every one Flame of them. Balls. Have you seen how his wife shoots? Uh, yeah, no, Ellie is is like the, she's fantastic. She should be in point. it. Yeah, no, the the jumper is is definitely on point. So, um, but yeah, two but two blazers in the three point shot like. I don't – I just – it seems weird to me. What seems weird? Two blazers in the three-point shootout. 
why is it weird? The Blazers have had multiple players in the dunk contest before. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm happy, I guess. I Although I want Dame to get as much rest as he possibly can, but I guess if he's going to be there, he's not going to rest anyway. Do you know the Blazers have have appeared in 23 or 23 times that Blazers appeared in an All-Star weekend competition outside of the All-Star game? They haven't I, won. I did not know that. They haven't won any of them. <laughs> Skills contest, down contest, three-point contest. They they, uh, they they haven't won any any of them. They've never won one? No. Are you sure? Yep. Well, I mean, there's a first time they, for everything. They, 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 Jerome came close. Mm-hmm. Like that was 88. When it was- you think they'll give um, – so the other thing I've heard is people talking about Jake Lehman in the slam dunk contest. Why wouldn't they do Myers? Yeah. Like if he was going to do one, Myers should be doing the slam dunk contest. Okay, so we, we half-heartedly talked about this on Outsiders, um, but we wanted to get confirmation first. And I have confirmation from one of the Blazers – uh, directly that Jake is a in-game dunker only. He is not a right, okay. he is not a dunk contest dunker. So no. uh confirmed bunnies. Bunnies are there, but uh he's not he's not out here behind the back 360 windmill East Bay funk See, bunk. I can appreciate that. Mm-hmm. I don't like the whole, all the splashy, flashy like props and everything. If you're gonna dunk, do it in the course of the game. <sighs> However, if they would like to involve a hammer somehow and let yeah. Myers Leonard be involved, I think that could be really fun. Just Myers out here, Paul Bunyaning a, a hoop down. I'm, I'm down for yeah. that. Okay. Go I that. mean, why not Myers? I mean, the bigs. I guess they don't usually have bigs, yeah, do they? I mean, they had Dwight, who kind of got robbed, and the edge Vale McGee, who definitely got robbed. It's uh, It's interesting, to say the least. That's for sure. I don't know. I never – do you watch All-Star Weekend? Yeah, I do. I, I always tell myself I'm not going to, and then I end up just hate watching it later. Right. <laughs> Maybe I'll watch the Puppy Bowl during the All-Star Game. Oh, God. You should be happy about that. Now you're watching it two weeks later. Now you're just doing it. Well, don't do tell it. me who wins. <laughs> That's We're well past the statute of limitations on the Puppy Bowl. I think that, I'll just, I think I'll just have to stay it. off Twitter so I don't know who won. Watch. Oh, wait, no, it's already ended. The puppies won. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, I think we should probably wrap it up here. Yeah. We may have more breaking news later on this week, yeah, in which case we, will have a pod. we can do this again mm-hmm. and, and see what happens. But it's been fun. It's, it's just so exciting that something happened. Yeah, honestly. no, and it's not just – and this is not just like Noah Vaughn like getting – Shipped mm-hmm. off. This is, I think yeah. there's something actual and tangible here. And I've been critical of the organization in the past when they haven't done things. So I'm going to be, you know, kind of excited about this. And yeah, you sound real. Yeah. Excited. Well, I'm just real excited to give them credit for this. This is, that's, I want to see the other move. Give me the other move. This is the, this is, a, this is a very good move as a move before the move. And what if it, what if there is no other move? I'm going to be just as grumpy and irritable as possible. Just well, you're on, always that anyway. in general principle, but now I'm going to be more frustrated because they've just decided that they're just going to pay the luxury tax and put themselves in a bad position on their on their exemptions um, or their exceptions so, going forward just because they wanted to maybe be a little bit better in the playoffs. I believe that you gave this move a B minus right in your uh, article for Blazers Edge that you wrote with a couple of the other guys. So is that B minus? A grade. It's on a curve for just this move, yep. or is that like 
it's a B minus, and then if they do something else, you'll give them more, or how's that work? It, yeah, it is. It's on a curve, and honestly, I was going to give it like a C plus just because this has just been the Blazers MO for so long. Like it's like oh, this is better than it, the it, usual. It, it, that's that's what I ultimately ended it's up. It's a little going more with. impactful. Yes, and then that was kind of my reasoning. Like, okay, this is this makes sense. I can I can go with this now, um, but it has the opportunity and the chance to get better. That is for certain, um, and I I genuinely hope it does. Okay, well we will hold on. Let's not do a really long sign off because we just did a really long sign off uh, with Casey the other oh, okay. day. Um, but uh, you can find me at TCB Bigs uh, on Twitter. And oh, remind everybody to purchase tickets for Blazers Edge Night coming up. And I, there's still time to buy tickets, but the sooner you can buy them, the better, because that makes it easier to distribute them. And let's see. Why don't you go ahead and take us out of here? All right, folks. You can find me on Blazers Outsiders on every game night before and after every game on NBC Sports Northwest uh, on Twitter at DMARING, at D-M-A-R-A-N-G. And anywhere else for your social media needs, wants, and – well, maybe not desires. Let's not go that far. I get some weird DMs Whoa. already. Um, this is not that kind of podcast, yeah, Dan. No. Well, I mean, we're going to – This is the Puppy Bowl and the Kitten oh, Bowl podcast. Oh, wow. That's – yeah. That sounds about right. Um I think that's it for now, and hopefully we'll have some more news here in the coming days to uh, share with you. Uh, All right. For Terrible and Biggs, I'm Danny Marion. We'll catch you guys next time. See you. Bye.